it's so weird and different and tricky. I mean, I even saw that like, you know, certain like martial arts type places, like the laws are slightly different. I think it's, uh, it's well, some places like, uh, they've, they've got laws. So like if you're a professional athlete, right, you can still train and still be doing stuff. Right. So, um, so I know some of the jujitsu schools, like those guys are like training because they have like professional matches coming up and things like that. Right. My, uh, the, the guy, my CrossFit gym, he's got a MMA program and like jujitsu and CrossFit and all that stuff under one roof. And so he's, he's a MMA fighter. He's technically retired, but he's like, I'm going to book a fight just to say I have a fight. And, you know, so, so I can technically train here, run jujitsu and stuff. Right. The loopholes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I realize like even some people are starting to run like little like jujitsu speakeasies basically. Yeah. Like, yeah a little basement, basement jujitsu. Exactly. Uh-huh. Hey, I You're mean, doing... people are problem solvers. It's kind of impressive to, to see like the directions people are going with this thing. Yeah. They're doing some stuff too with like, like small group, like just like limited partners. Like, Hey, we're just going to train together and not, you know, minimize the risk. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I admire that. I mean, I, you know, when I talked to Matt Bernstein, he was saying that they were already planning out at his jujitsu school where it was like, Hey, you're going to pick a group of four people who are going to be like your training partners for yeah. however long this is going to be. And, and you can't train with anybody else and the classes are going to be small and you know, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, people problem solve. Well, I'm happy that uh, you made time to do this um, for a yeah, lot of reasons. You. I realize that like we've never really gotten a chance to chat. I think we like cross paths briefly with like some like hellos and stuff, but this is like our first chance to like chat despite like having a lot of connections. I know a ton of overlap. I know. I'm super excited. Like yeah, I've been... and, and you happen to know a lot of the people who I've already had on here. Yeah. Yeah. A ton of them. It's amazing. I, I realized <laughs> that it, it, it was more than appropriate and it was probably important to have you on when i talked to matt because when he he brought you up and i realized i was like man without you we probably wouldn't have landed where we're at you know him much more direct but i still came through an alley that that you built um and you played this really integral role in that so i was like wow like this person definitely needs to be talked to on here for sure. Um, and, you know, I'm curious, I guess we should start with that then um, because your, your, your background is in a lot of things, but you opened a CrossFit gym more than one, right? Yes. Um, one was virtuosity. And what was the other one? CrossFit NYC. Okay. And that was the very first CrossFit in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was an early adopter. <laughs> super Probably, OG. Super OG. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my journey started with jujitsu, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, discovered, you know, the, the first UFCs and Hoist Gracie back in like the mid nineties, just shortly after they happened. Uh-huh. Like I'd, you know, gotten a videotape. I was actually, I was in law school and I was like overweight and I was, you know, I'd been going to the gym and like working out. And so I was starting to lose weight and get back in shape or, or get in shape. Maybe that was the first time ever, mm-hmm. but uh, I was getting bored with just like gym life. And I was thinking like, I should do some kind of martial art. And my buddy was like, here, and he like, we were at a video store when they had video stores. 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, here, look at this. And he handed me like a copy of UFC one mm-hmm. and like I rented it and went home and watched it. And I was like, Oh, that's what I want to do. <laughs> Where was this at? Where were you then? I was in Boston. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I started like, like looking at all these like jujitsu fight videos and like mm-hmm. going around, like trying to pick up copies of like black belt magazine with like Gracie's on the cover and stuff like that. And was reading up on it. Mm-hmm. And there was, uh, I think like Kenny Florian, or I think that was who he had a school up in Boston. He was like an early jujitsu guy, mm-hmm. but I was in school and I was finishing up and I didn't have the time to really like go like take a, you know, commute out like 30 minutes from where I was to go check out this jujitsu school. Yeah. So I was like, so I put it off for a little bit, but I was like kind of sitting there like watching like, you know, jujitsu tapes and things like that. And uh, I realized Henzo Gracie had a school in New York and I was going to move back to New York where I was from. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to go to Henzo's place when I, uh, when I go back to New York, which is what I did. And that was Henzo's in Manhattan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was back in 97. Wow. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's was like ground floor with jujitsu as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I started doing jujitsu in 97 with Henzo. Um, so like early days, I mean, that's when all those like guys were, you know, coming up like Sean Williams and John Danaher and all the guys that have their own academies now, all these Henzo yeah. guys are all there as like blue belts and stuff like that. You know, Matt wow. Serra was a purple belt wow. when I started. That's amazing. Yeah. What was that? What was that like there? Like what was, I mean, now it's so different, you know, it's like Instagram and Facebook, you see photos and videos and like, you know, there's definitely like, um, a brand around it, right? But I assume then it was just like a bunch of dudes interested in this thing on mats. Like, yeah, it was, I mean, it was very, uh, you know, you know, basement speakeasy type of stuff back then. Yeah. Uh, when I first started at Henzo's, uh, Henzo had a partner, this guy, Craig Kukuk, mm-hmm. who was like a early American black belt. And, uh, and they were having a falling out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'd been there for like maybe like one or two months. Like, I think I started in September and like somewhere like November, Henzo was away fighting and then like he was coming back and then they were saying Henzo's going back to Brazil and he's closing the academy. Mm-hmm. And I was like devastated, but they were like taking everybody's like numbers and say, Hey, you know, you know, we're, you know, Rodrigo was there, Rodrigo Gracie. And he was like, we're going to you know still be training and all this stuff. And then like, like they pulled some like, you know, bait and switch. And basically he got out of the partnership with his, <laughs> that guy mm-hmm. took, opened up like down the, down the street, you know, the Kung Fu school and just rolled out mats and we rented out the Kung Fu school. And like, I got a call like the next day. I was like, Hey, you know, this is where classes are now. And we just all moved down the street and all showed up there like the next week and started training at the Kung Fu school. Wow. Yeah. And it was just like, they were having like, you know, some financial problems. And so Henzo took all these fights, made a ton of money so he could hire lawyers and, you know, disband the, the, the partnership and get his green card and do all the stuff that he needed to do. Right. So it was a huge thing. And then basically left Craig Kukuk out in the cold or something. And well, he's really figured it out, man. I mean, he, he's yeah. done some serious branding around that thing. I mean, he, he's doing well with just gyms now. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a super fun time. And like, yeah, it was like, I showed up the first day. He had some like young little blue belt kid, like show me like a, you know, you know, guard and the sweep and a Americana lock or something. And I mean, were were there any black belts there? 
it was Henzo was a black belt and uh, Craig Kukuk was a black belt. Rodrigo was a brown belt. The rumor, the rumor I heard was that Rodrigo had gotten his black belt from his dad. Mm-hmm. And then when he moved to New York to train with Henzo, he demoted himself to brown belt and wanted Henzo to give him his black belt. Fair so enough. He was a, so he was a, the brown belt and Matt Sarah was a purple belt. His brother, Nicky, I think just got his purple belt right around that time. Damn. You know, I ran into Henzo in Brooklyn, right by his spot near Virtuosity. Right. Yeah. Um, this was maybe like sometime, maybe it was like last summer or so. Cause uh, you know, the restaurant Beko, Brazilian place. Um, it's like one of my favorite restaurants. We go there all the time. We're sitting down, we're like eating dinner. And I look over my shoulder and I see like this crew kind of roll in you know, and they're yeah. all speaking Portuguese. And I look over and I'm like, oh, wow. And I turn to my wife, Alex, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Henzo there. Yeah, look at all those ears. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and those dudes, like, they're the real deal, like his crew. Yeah. And I'm friends with Henrique, who owns the restaurant. Oh, nice. And he knows that, like, the stuff I'm into and what I'm doing, he also knew that, like, you know, I had been doing jujitsu, you know, at that point for, like, two and a half years. So, he was like, hey, Kyle, come over here. I want to I wanna introduce you to Henzo. And my entire life, people have thought that I was Brazilian because I get like really tan in the summer and yeah, like yeah. thick, dark eyebrows. And Enrique <laughs> walks over to Henzo and he's like, hey, man, I want you to meet my friend Kyle. And I, and I look up and I'm like, hey, I go to like shake his hand. And he grabs my hand and not even hello. He just like, looks at me and smiles. He's like, where are you from? <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I'm about to break this guy's heart right now. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, like I'm, you know, I'm from here, you know? And he could hear just then like my accent. He was like, oh yeah, this guy's not, you know, I missed my shot to be in the crew. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. um, but the nicest dude, I mean, you could see like that guy's like oh, the yeah. life of the party. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So then how do you parlay jujitsu into yoga and crossfit and i guess which one came first uh i started let me see yeah started with jujitsu mm-hmm. uh i at some point i was working at a, a place and one of the perks was you had a it was downtown lower uh, in in the uh, east village and one of the perks was we got memberships at crunch in the east village when it was on like fourth and lafayette were you practicing law? Yeah, I was at a record company, a small uh, record company called TVT Records. Mm-hmm. So I was working there and, you know, one of the perks was we had crunch memberships. So like it was like right across the street from, from there. So we'd, I'd go over there and like when I wasn't, you know, training or like I was working late or something, I'd go work out at crunch and go downstairs and take a yoga class. And I started kind of digging the yoga classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was right underneath Jiva Mukti Yoga, which is a big yoga school. And oh, a lot, of the, Jiva, a lot of the Jiva Mukti teachers would teach a crunch and then teach a Jiva. And some other good teachers were, were there too. So it was, a, it was a hotbed of some good yoga back in the early days before there was like yoga studios everywhere. Right. Um, so, uh, so I was doing like yoga and like basic gym stuff and doing, uh, doing my jujitsu. And then uh, like a couple of years into it, like you started hearing about like BJ Penn mm-hmm. and BJ Penn, like got his black belt in four years. And he like went into the UFC and just like smoked people. Like his first fights were like super fast and just demolished people. 
Right. And like after like one of his fights, he like held up a CrossFit shirt. Right. It was, he was like one of the early CrossFit guys. Like he, he lived in, you know, he was a Hawaii guy, but he was like in Northern California training with Glassman. Like, man, I feel like, like I, whole, I, I forgot about that. I forgot yeah. that. BJ that fight gone bad workout is like basically was made for right. BJ Penn. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. So I trained jujitsu at Marcello's. Right. And I remember talking to Paul Schreiner. Right. A little bit. And, you know, he was, he's from Santa Cruz and he was doing jujitsu there. And he was saying that he was like doing CrossFit like at the very beginning. And in some way, I think he might've said something about almost like being like sponsored by whatever CrossFit was at the time or Glassman or something like, but super early in Santa Cruz. But I you know that I realize now like, there's a lot of this happening and there's this big crossover yeah. with jujitsu and CrossFit. Yeah. There was like BJ Penn, Garth Taylor, and a bunch of other like NorCal jujitsu guys were all doing mm -hmm. CrossFit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so I was, you know, I was like weak as a kitten and, mm -hmm. you know, just doing yoga basically and like boring, like bicep curls and shit. Right. And, uh, and so I was like, this is like strength and conditioning stuff that I never heard of, like cleans and jerks and all these lifts that like, you know, we didn't do a crunch, right? It was like, right. you didn't, you didn't see people in, this is like, you know, early 2000s, you didn't see people in the squat racks doing like real, real lifting or right. doing anything, you know, like that. Uh, now it's everywhere, but like back in the day, like it was way underground. Right. So, uh, so that's how I heard about CrossFit and I just like was trolling the site, like reading all like the CrossFit journal articles and just like, you know, trying to figure out what's a clean, what's a snatch, what's all this stuff. And like going mm -hmm. to crunch and trying to do a workout and realizing I was terrible. Right. <laughs> yeah. And when, and this was what, like 2000, probably 2002 or three. Oh, okay. Like early. Wow. And then by like 2000, I mean, I was just trolling and like, you know, just kind of, you know, contemplating it more than actually doing anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I'd be at work and like printing out CrossFit journal articles and stuff on the, on the works printer, you know, on the work printers and stuff like that. Yeah. Like super, super counterculture, right? Like you yeah. have to be investigating yourself and ask the questions. It's like nothing's yeah. being handed to you. Yeah. But it was, it was like super interesting to me. Right. Uh, and so I was just digging deep there, digging deep into jujitsu and, and CrossFit. And then like, you know, finally I was like realizing like, I need to like find some people to work out with. So I started going on the message boards, looking for people who were in New York, looking to do some CrossFit and like mm -hmm. a small group of people started chiming in. Mm -hmm. So we started working out in the parks together and that, basically turned into like a regular event. And then when it got cold, we started going to gyms and trying to work out and getting thrown out for doing ridiculous shit. <laughs> but it became like, you know, our, our bonding, like all these people just go into like a little, like, I mean, there's, there was the global gyms and there's like little private training gyms. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, we're, you know, people would go and get their private training from, you know, trainers. And so we'd go into some of those gyms and like, they, they would allow us to come in and get like a day pass and uh -huh. we'd do ridiculous stuff. And like, clean and jerk or something and they'd be like you guys got to leave right it's like this is too much for what we can yeah. in here yeah and then were you still doing yoga as well at this point yeah yeah so somewhere in there i was like so like crossfit was like like on the back burner i was training jujitsu pretty seriously um somewhere around like uh like 2001 somewhere somewhere around like september 11th i can't mm -hmm. remember. i think it was after that but like somewhere around there like 
I don't, no, it was before there because I was working downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I was working downtown before like, you know, uh, September 11th happened. So it was probably like late nineties. Um, uh, took a, uh, a training. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, yeah, I took it. I've taken a yoga training, um, and got into like teacher training and then started doing that. And then like, I was still working sort of as a lawyer. I got laid off from a position. I didn't want to go back and work indoors. Mm-hmm. It was like summer. So I just started hustling and picking up teaching spots all over town. Doing yoga. Yeah. Teaching yoga. What kind of yoga was this? Just like vinyasa. Okay. But like, I mean, the, the cool thing about like being in New York and especially like me, who's sort of like, you know, all into stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I did my teacher training. It was a very sort of straight ahead vinyasa, like power flow kind of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I was done with my teacher training, I was like, oh, I've been like cooped up in this yoga studio. I love these guys, but I want to like now explore because there's a lot of yoga happening in the city. So I started going to all these other yoga classes in the city and then uh, ended up with a good friend of mine who'd also been a little bit of a jujitsu guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a phenomenal, I didn't even realize when I met him that he was like a high, like super level yoga guy. Mm-hmm. His name is uh, Isaac Pena. And he, you, you'll see him like, if you hang out with like the pole dancers and all the contortionists in New York, mm-hmm. like, and all the high level yogis, everybody knows Isaac. Okay. And he kind of would take me under his wing and be like, dude, we're going to, we're going to go to this workshop. And he'd like, take me to some yoga workshop. And I was like, my mind was blown. And then he was like, you got to take class here. And then he dragged me to some class with right. some other like super yoga people. Yeah. And uh, I started teaching at uh, Exhale. He was running the yoga program at Exhale Spa. So I was mm-hmm. teaching over there. And then he would get all these cool like workshops come in and all this stuff. And he was like sort of getting me to like take, you know, with all the who's who in yoga, like anybody that would come in from like, you know, Colorado and California and all different parts of the world. Yeah. He was super, super switched on and like, so I like did a deep dive into yoga mm-hmm. even while I was like doing my own deep dive into CrossFit. And then, you know, and, you know, at some point, like when I started teaching CrossFit, we opened up CrossFit NYC, like mm-hmm. jujitsu took a back, you know, backseat to CrossFit. Just and, and, w- and what year was that? Uh, we were like kind of dicking around from like 2004 to five uh, to six. That was like when we were going inside to other gyms and getting thrown out and stuff. Yeah. 2007, we got a spot. Okay. And where, was, spot. Where, where was that at? We were affiliated in 2005, but we didn't have like a legit spot of our right. own. Right. You would just show up in places and be like, oh, hey, yeah. like we finally, there was a, a Muay Thai gym downtown that we like set up shop at where the guys knew us. Uh, the guys were like cool with what we were doing. Actually, the guy Gavin now mm-hmm. runs uh, a place out in Brooklyn. I can't remember his spot name but he has a cool spot with training and like uh jujitsu oh cool out in like bushwick or prospect heights uh-huh he, i can't remember the the name of the spot but he was a cool dude he was into like kettlebells and stuff like that he was like yeah you guys can go in there and do your crossfit stuff good on you right yeah so and 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 that was the spot that became like the first like brick and mortar crossfit in New York City was this Muay Thai place. Well, that was like, we were just renting it out like two days a week. We'd go in there like like two or three times a week and we'd have classes. Okay. Like once we had a spot that wouldn't kick us out, we started like, we were, you know, we was like, hey, we're gonna, we sold like a class pack of like eight classes. Right. And we'd just like bring people in to like come and work out with us. 
And were you teaching everything? Uh, like I'd run stuff like Josh Newman would run stuff. Court wing would run stuff. Okay. Yeah. But I was like, I had some personal training clients too, that I was like training on the side. So then when did you find the, the first real location? That was in 2007. Josh Newman got his dad to co-sign a lease in an office space. <laughs> and then we, we went in there. Uh, and that's, that was like, yeah, and we were on the fourth floor. And we had like fourth floor for a CrossFit gym. Holy yeah, it shit. was, it was, well, we didn't have any equipment. So we didn't realize how like bad would be once we, until we got the weights. Right? right. But initially we just brought like kettlebells from home. All we had was like some kettlebells and dumbbells. Mm-hmm. There was no rogue at the time. So we didn't even have a pull-up rig for like a few months until we got someone to weld us a pull-up rig. And uh, we just, and we didn't even have mats. One of our guys uh, worked at uh, uh, Gold's gym. Uh-huh. And he was like, dude, they're, they're getting rid of some mats. He's like, I rented a van and he just threw a bunch of mats in a U-Haul and brought them down. And we like matted half the floor mm-hmm. with some throwaway mats from, from Gold's gym. And then we, we actually, but we managed to like get a bunch of people up there. Like every trainer in New York City would come in and try us out. And we'd like try, we would do our best to like try to kill them. Right. <laughs> this is before right. like we were warm and inviting. We were like, oh, well, you guys are. It makes me think of jujitsu where it's like, if someone, like if someone shows up who looks like they're like strong or young or kind of athletic, like you see it, like people are just like, "Eh, let me just like show this guy what's going on here. Yeah. You know, like I felt it like not with everybody. Some people are a little, you know, kinder than others. But when I showed up and I was like totally green, white belt, stunk at everything, people, I could see some people be like, oh, like he looks strong. Like, let's just like. Like, it's also like make them feel something. If like you're like strong, but you don't like like spaz out, they'll like usually people will go easy on you. Yeah. But if you're like if you start spazzing out, they'll be like, oh, let's just tear this guy apart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think if if I were in that situation that you were in, like I if and I was doing CrossFit then and trainers were showing up, I'd be like, dude, let's just rock their world. Oh yeah. 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 It was totally back in that sort of you know your workout is our warm up sort of mentality days. And like, yeah, we just, I mean, we literally like, we, we, we got the gym. Like I had a buddy do a graphic design for a t-shirt mm-hmm. and print out stickers. And I ordered a bunch of barf bags <laughs> and we stuck the stickers on it. And that was like, instead of a card or yeah. like, you know, a pamphlet, people yeah. would come in and we'd give them like a barf bag with our sticker on it. That's amazing. That was like the original swag that we had. So then was, how, many, how many CrossFit gyms were in the country at that point? We were like the 17th. Whoa. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It was so a handful. So different. I always say, you know, like I arrived, I mean, you know this, I, I showed up, I think it was as you were leaving Brooklyn, I was like walking in the door and whatever that was, 2013, it's just, it, at that point, I think it, it had changed quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I realized, I was like, oh, this is not the, the counterculture thing that I remember hearing about, you know? It's not that it's bad, but it's like, the, it's so much different when people have to put in like the legwork in that way for something, mm-hmm. you know? They like, they have to work to like bring their community together in a really like unique way. They have to like get the equipment. They have to be like researching. I see it in jujitsu. People are like, because it's not as accessible, even though it's, broadly pretty popular people are still doing like that research on youtube and asking questions and reading this thing and that thing and watching the dvds that's such a a different time to be a part of something 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've always likened it to like your favorite band. Yeah. Like, like everybody likes their favorite band when they're like, you know, underground and nobody has heard of them. And you're always trying to get everybody to listen to your favorite band, but suddenly everybody likes your favorite band and you're like, they fucking sold out. Right. And then you don't want to like them anymore. No, you were like doing CrossFit at CBGB's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's so crazy. I mean, I have so, I feel like I'm getting this like unbelievable, like New York city, like late nineties, early two thousands, like history lesson on like a certain culture here. It's really incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's next for me because like, I mean, I was there like early days of jujitsu in New York. I was there yeah. early days of CrossFit. Like, I don't know where, uh, what, what the next big thing is, but. <laughs> well, listen, I feel like if you are like, you could open the next movement school, you could uh, take a, a, another big turn. Yeah, for real. I, although like these days I'm like real hesitant to open up a school. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that having a space is going to be, um, I don't know, a dream for many people. Yeah. I mean, I love the, I, I always love the idea of it and I, mm -hmm. I get really, you know, I daydream about it and then, when I think about the reality of it, I'm like, yeah. yeah, hard reality check. Yeah, I mean, listen, coming from somebody who like had a place that was starting to like really get some traction and then all of a yeah. sudden this happens and you're just like, oh, like, well, I, it's okay. Now we have to like switch gears. I know, it's tragic. Um, so at what point did you start like thinking, okay, I need to learn how to teach this and I need to start teaching people to teach this? Uh, I mean, it was pretty early on. I mean, I've all like, so I remember I was in law school and I, I, I first found out about jujitsu and like I ordered some like jujitsu tapes and I was like watching them. I was like, I wanted to learn some of these moves. And I realized pretty early on, like, well, I need someone to do these on. And like, mm -hmm. and, you know, it didn't go very, didn't go over well on my girlfriend at the time. So I was <laughs> like, so I was like trying to, you know, enlist like some of my buddies like, you know, I go to the gym with and I'm like, try to, you know, show them how to do an arm bar or something. They were just like, not having it. Right. But like, it was the same sort of thing with CrossFit. I was like, I invited all these people to the park. And then it was like, okay, what do we do? And I was like, if I want to work out with you guys, well, then I got to show you what these moves are. So I was thrust in the position of like, here's what a squat is. Here's what a burpee is. Here's what we're going to do. Right. So like, pretty early on, if I wanted friends to play with, I needed to teach them what we were going to do. And so I had to get a, at least a page ahead in the notebook, of, you know, the textbook of what we're going to do. Right. And that's always kind of been the way it, it, it's been like, and jujitsu was very much that. Yeah. I mean, there's always the professor, you know, Henzo who's like teaching class or, you know, one of the other, you know, higher belts who's teaching class. But a lot of the times like newer people, they're like, here, go, you know, train, you know, show this newer person something like show right. them how to do an arm bar, show them how to do some basic stuff. Right. Like, you know, your on-ramp at jujitsu back in the day was usually uh, like they'd grab a blue belt or somebody and like, you know, have them show you like, you know, a sweep and a mount escape and, you know, a couple right. of basic moves. And, and so like, I was pretty excited. Like when one day Henzo tapped me on the back, I was like, go show this new guy, like, you know, a couple moves. I was like, oh, cool. Right. Nice. And, uh, and so like pretty much I was, you know, in everything, it was always like, uh, whatever I learned, I immediately passed on to whoever, you know, I would, you know, have me show, show them whatever I knew, whether it was jujitsu, whether it was yoga, whether it was CrossFit, mm -hmm. that's always been sort of my thing. As soon as I learned something, I was like, oh, I got to share this with somebody else. Right. 
you know, cause I'm excited about it and I want to share it with somebody else. And mm-hmm. so teaching is, as long as I've been doing movement stuff, teaching has always been part of the package. Yeah. And also for me, it's like how I retain and learn things better. Well, that's what um, Dan Koval was saying. Like he yeah. was talking about when he was like a purple belt and I asked him about how he started teaching and he was like, no, I really just started teaching to get better at jujitsu because it was a way to like retain and get better at the information. Yeah. And, you know, I've read a lot about that. You know, it's like, you know, you know, you tell somebody like, I want you to learn what I'm telling you as if you had to go teach it to someone else. And that's something that is, like you said, used a lot in martial arts. And again, something that like, I get the impression was a part of, of early CrossFit, but is also kind of like not as, as present as it used to be where there was like, you know, the, the version of the upper belts would like help kind of manage the lower belts. Yeah. Now it's a little bit more mainstream and it's just like, all right, everybody come in, do the thing. And then everybody leave unless you get like a, a more OG coach. Yeah, for sure. So when, when did this place start to grow? Like when were you like, Oh, this is a thing. Um, I've got real people. This is like a, an actual business now. Between like 2007 to like the end of 2008. I mean, mm-hmm. it just for CrossFit NYC just like, was just on a upward trajectory the whole time. Like I went from, you know, being there, maybe one person would show up for a class to like suddenly all our classes were filling up. We went from having no equipment to making enough money to start buying barbells and plates and flooring for the place. Mm -hmm. As soon as we had barbells and plates, right. You know, we ended up basically destroying the place because we're on the fourth (laughs) floor, Uh you know, and then, you know, shortly thereafter the eviction proceedings started, they're like, we were making way too much noise and stuff. Is, is that when you went and opened Virtuosity? Uh, yeah, kind of. Cause uh, we, you know, as a group, as NYC, we were looking around to find a new space and we kept looking at like higher floors and other things. And I was like, I, we need a ground floor space. We need, and we were just already butting heads. I was like, I was doing the, I think the majority of the teaching. Mm-hmm. I was already like, all of us were butting heads as partners. Um, so, uh, one of my early private clients who started with us back at the five point days when we were do- at the kickboxing place mm-hmm. was, uh, a guy named Harry. And he's the one who ended up buying my shares of CrossFit NYC. And he's the current like sole owner of it now. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, he, he had like a business in Long Island and, and he was, uh, you know, a very smart guy and, you know, we'd always talk and he, he was always interested in the business side of it and, and mm-hmm. growing it. So, you know, finally I just, you know, asked him if he was interested in buying my shares. He made me an offer and I took it and then I grabbed a couple people and we went looking around for spots and we opened up cross virtuosity in Brooklyn. Well, I mean that place, like, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll get a little more into it, but I mean like that place when I was even just starting out coaching there, it had so much cachet. Like when I would travel and I'd show up at like some other gym, I'd be like, Oh, I'm from Brooklyn. I, I coach across a virtuosity. People would be like, Oh, Oh, nice. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, listen, I wasn't there when like Keith was there or anything. Like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's you know, virtuosity, you know? Um, and that place, like the, this original spot again is like kind of a, a legendary CrossFit gym. In, yeah. That place was amazing. And that was a really special place, right? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it just had the, the, the right vibe. I mean, yeah. it was like garage doors on both sides. 
yeah you know the parking lot the weird wacky paint job just super like just ghetto and grimy when you and you don't know this but this is when i became aware of that gym and you because you were still in the yoga world right and my roommate at the time was this girl named kate who you know kate morth oh oh So That's we right. I forgot. In a, in a story. I forgot we had that connection. Right. We were, we were roommates in a story and it must've been like 2009. Yeah. And she was like, you know, you need to come out to Brooklyn with me and you need to meet this guy, Keith, and you need to try this thing. I go out there every once in a while. I have no idea how often she was going out there. I don't know, like, you know, but she was doing yoga. And I think that's how you guys linked yeah. up. And at the time, like nobody was going out to Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Like now it's like you say Williamsburg and people all over the world are like, oh yeah, like that's the spot you go to. But back then nobody was going there. And I was like, you know, all over the city, but it was still a place I was never like stopping through. Um, But I never went, I never showed up, even though I knew and she had told me about it. And I think she showed me like whatever the version of the website was at the time. And she was like, yeah. And she kept saying, Keith this, Keith that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Like, I'll, we'll go at some point. And it, it never, it never happened. Um, but she always would say like, it's this like special place. It's like this like unique thing that's happening, but it was still like counterculture, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, it was always a hard, especially a hard sell. Like I was always trying to get like my yoga peeps to go out there. Yeah. There was a you know a few like yoga peeps that would come out there and and, and come out and like, try to lift and do some stuff and play with CrossFit a little bit. Yeah. Most of them, most of them were like just too, too scared and too, uh, you know, overwhelmed by the, the idea of it. Is that when you decided to develop like a a coaching program to like develop like professional coaches? You know, it just sprung out of necessity. It's like, I, you know, try to have a high standard of, of coaching and teaching and then, you know, trying to get anybody to, jump in and like teach classes and stuff. It just, I was like, well, you know, they're not as good right. and no offense to anybody, but it's like, I, I have a, had a pretty strong background going into it. Like been, you know, teaching jujitsu for a while, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I didn't talk about that, but like me and my buddy were actually teaching jujitsu a couple nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was teaching yoga, like I was like a full-time yoga teacher for a while. Mm-hmm. And then like, so I had a pretty, broad base of teaching movement and then teaching CrossFit. And before like we'd even opened up that spot, I'd already been um, traveling with, uh, I traveled with Mark Ripito and coached with him on his seminar. I coached with- Mark Ripito is starting strength, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd worked with him on his seminars. I'd worked with a bunch of the specialty seminars, the gymnastics, Mm -hmm. the the weightlifting with Coach Bergner, the kettlebells. Like the the specialty certifications for- uh, CrossFit. Right. At the time, were they certifications or were they just like seminars? They were like, I mean, I guess they called them certs back then, but you know, they're, they were the same, like two day seminars. Okay. You know, uh, I mean, they've all morphed and grown and changed over the years, but right. they broke off. I mean, originally like CrossFit was having a lot of those guys come to the, the, the level one seminars mm-hmm. back before the level one seminar was like codified. Yeah. It was like when I took the level one, it was a three-day seminar mm-hmm. and it was like all the sort of basic stuff that's in the level one now, but they would have like a half hour or an hour breakout with like Mark Ripito or Coach Bergner or, you know, uh, you know, John Hackleman was doing like a striking 
clinic for like half an hour and all these different guys would come in and do their, their thing. And coach was like, we're going to break all of these guys off to do their own seminars. Interesting. And, then, and so like in 2007, they all broke off and started doing their own seminars. And then we had the CrossFit gymnastics, the CrossFit kettlebell, the CrossFit weightlifting, the CrossFit barbell. Right. And, but it, it, along the way, it's like you're, you're already having like one of the first successful CrossFit businesses and you're like, I need to get some people up and moving here so I can have more classes right. to satisfy yeah. the people who want to do this thing because it's New York city and there are 18 million or whatever, 12 million people. Like I need to be prepared for like the numbers that can start walking through this door. Yeah. So that's when you start doing this coaching program. And that's, that's the thing I think that a lot of people really began to respect right? Because yeah. there were a lot of places, it sounds like that we're doing like some sort of formalized coaching program, not just teaching people about CrossFit. You know, that's what I feel like I have to emphasize. That was the thing that Matt and I really got into is just like, you were learning how to teach, right? Yeah. Here are tools for teaching. Here are tools I mean, for teaching large groups, group management, how to communicate with people. Like, big and small, like, you know, two word cues, like these things that are like the big tools. And it wasn't just for a weekend or three days. It was like, you know, some people were in the coaching program for like a year, you know, and yeah. also didn't necessarily guarantee a job or anything. It was just like, no, 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 you're just, you're, it, it, you know, it's this thing that doesn't exist as much anymore. This like apprenticeship. That's yeah. what it, that's what it felt like. Yeah, for sure. And it was, I mean, mostly the only real, models I had to go by were like having like been a part of a couple yoga teacher trainings as a yeah. student and as a, like a teacher on, on some level mm -hmm. and uh, you know, working a handful of, you know, seminars and yeah. stuff and just sort of seeing like the, the level of coaching, you know, that was professional coaching out there yeah. at, the, at, at the time and, and sort of trying to bring the level up to sort of that type of standard. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what I had to go on. And it was just, it was a lot of trial and error and sort of, you know, implementing things that some stuff we would do at the CrossFit level two seminar, some stuff I like had done at my different yoga trainings, yoga trainings and stuff, you know, some stuff I just, you know, seen from different seminars and just try to implement as much of that stuff and pass it on. Well, it sounds stuff. like you're just like, you're, and it helps that you're somebody who does, at least it sounds like you're just not afraid to like fall on your face a little bit and be like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. No, that didn't work. This does work. All right. Let's just start like piecing it together here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hey, I mean, that's, I mean, I got the opportunity to do it like, you know, after you had left, but it was still like, it wasn't like the fire was out, you know, like I was still getting some of like the embers from like the fire you had burning. But of course, when I was going through the coaching program, people were like, Hey, listen, you're doing a good job, but you have, you didn't have to do this with Keith. Yeah. I mean, I was an asshole. I'm still an asshole, but I've, I've toned it down quite a bit. But you know, they talked about like, you know, like, I don't know what it was like Friday nights, everybody had to show up and then it would be like, you'd be going through like anatomy or like all these, you know, terminology and things. And it definitely didn't have that, but it was just like, it, it, it felt more, like I said, like in this apprenticeship and I, and I, you know, I feel like we need more of that. You know, I think that like as, as interesting as like workshops and seminars and things are, there's there, nothing takes the place of like long-term apprenticeship where you're with somebody who knows information and they're not just telling you things, but you're just participating with them and, and grabbing it 
by being a part of it. Yeah. You know, I don't know how to, you know, bring something like that back, but I think that that is like, that's rich. And, they, and I, like I said, you see it in these like counterculture places, the same way like rock climbers, there's people who've been rock climbing longer and the new guys come in and there's like this like, hey, come under my wing. Same with uh, jujitsu and, and things like that. Um, and that sounds like we're what kind of spawned this coaching program and, and people became passionate about teaching. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I'm super proud of like all the, the coaches that came out of there. I mean, yeah. A bunch of gyms spawned off of there from mm -hmm. guys who, you know, uh, who, who were, were coaching, uh, or in the program. Uh, a lot of those coaches are all like, you know, went on to like coach, you know, at, you know, seminars and workshops and, you know, on, on different training staffs and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it was pretty amazing. Like, so, I mean, not taking credit for, you know, the, the natural and the, the hard won abilities of all these people. It's just, but, you know, in terms of creating that environment and space, I, I definitely had something to do with it. Yeah. I mean, it seems, you know, you, I can feel it now, especially talking to you. You're like, you, 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 you made people interested or allowed people to be interested and curious and, and, and want to convey information in an interesting and appropriate way. Hope so. I mean, I've, sometimes I feel like I was just yelling at them to learn more. Hey, I mean, maybe <laughs> that was it too. But I mean, either way, it's like they were at least scared enough that they were like, oh, I better like learn how to teach. Yeah. Right. Because it's like now, you know, like the, the, the business of, of certifications has become so inflated, right? In just all worlds. Mm -hmm. Because now it's like businesses are trying to pump out certifications. It feels like that it almost confuses the person with the certification to think like, oh, I'm, I'm a teacher now. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's like, no, I mean, you've got to go, you got, now you just have something to take with you to go learn to teach with. Yeah. Right. It's a door opener, you know, it's, I mean, all that stuff is good. You know, knowledge is good. Having, you know, the credential is good. Like sitting down in a room with somebody else trying to, you know, pick their brains for a weekend is great. Yeah. Um, and I think that's good. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, you just got to get that, get out there and do it. Right. And you got to sort of live that, you know, life and it's problem solving, which is why jujitsu is fun. That's yeah. why I think coaching is fun. The actual doing of CrossFit may be less fun because it's, I mean, yeah, some, some of it's problem solving in terms of figuring out how to, like, how to do a snatch and how to do a muscle up and do, learning some skills. Yeah. And, and that stuff is what keeps it more interesting than going to like a, do, a Globo gym, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're like, oh, I've done this, you know, cardio kickboxing class like 10 times. I already know the whole choreography. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, like CrossFit, like, you know, you're still trying to refine and constantly polish you know, your movements, but from the teaching standpoint, I, I, I don't think it ever gets old. I mean, you sometimes want to beat your head into a wall because you have to tell people to like, you know, straighten their backs and stay on their heels and push their knees out and squat lower and stuff like that. But the idea of like, it, like I've heard you talk about this, it's, you know, it's communication, yeah. right? It, it, teaching is never just one-sided, like I'm giving you information. It's always like, I'm going to say this to you and you're going to say something back to me with the way you interpreted what I just said. Right. And I have to be able to read that. Yeah. I said, Hey, you know, try putting your hand here and you put your hand there. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. When I say do this, you do that. So right. now I got to figure out how to communicate in a way that gets you to 
closer to what we're trying to get to. Right. That's what the that's what I mean. Like the apprenticeship felt like it, there was a, a huge layer of learning to communicate. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, is it you know, is it tactical cues? Is it you know, watch watch me do this thing. You know, yeah. this is you. This is me. You know, yeah. like it, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. I I mean I I'm curious just as somebody who's been on the ground floor and been there for so long and played a pretty vital role in like spreading the word, you know, how do you look at the changes that are, that CrossFit's going through now? I mean, I feel like it's gone through a lot of iterations, big changes, uh, counterculture, mainstream, and now a pretty seismic change um, with like a new owner and everything. Um, what do you see as, as some of the next steps or, or what do you hope are some of the next steps? I don't know. I think, I think CrossFit's fun. I think right now it's moving towards a direction of being, you know, more about the games with under new ownership mm -hmm. where the sport of CrossFit is going to sort of be one of the main platforms that people are going to, you know, see CrossFit on. Um, I've always been more about the, the educational side of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the part I love. Uh, I mean, I love the games. I love all the competition. I love everything uh, about it, but like, you know, I'm not going to compete anytime soon. <laughs> I have no desire to work at that level. I'm mostly interested in like, just like on the ground level, like, Hey, I want to get people, you know, to, to get in the gym, you know, lose weight, get off their meds, you right. know, get healthy, live long, healthy lives right. and have, and have a good time doing it. Right. I'm not really, you know, and, and also in, in the pursuit of that, like, you know, bettering the craft of, uh, of coaching and teaching and, and getting people to, to, to understand that better. But um, uh, and I think there's always going to be a place for that, but I think that's probably less of what we're going to see from CrossFit and probably more of what we're going to see on that sort of surface level is a lot more sports and a lot more, um, you know, other exciting projects and things like that. And maybe a little bit more stuff going on with the affiliates because mm -hmm. I know the affiliates have been, uh, you know, voicing their, their, their disgruntled, you know, nature and their concerns about how they haven't been treated well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think under new management, they're going to go, you know, the extra mile to, to work on getting the affiliates to, to, be more supportive of the affiliates and, and what their struggles are because um, the cool thing about the new CEO is he's an affiliate owner. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he has a firsthand knowledge of like, Hey, this is like the stuff I was annoyed about as an affiliate owner that I want to see rectified. So hopefully he's going to take a lot of steps to, uh, to address those concerns. Interesting. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, uh, sadly for me, I think like, potentially you're going to see maybe less of the educational side of, of CrossFit sort of mm -hmm. on at the forward facing level, mm -hmm. you know, although I think, you know, obviously with more affiliates and more, you know, more exposure to CrossFit, we're going to still need coaches and people are still going to need to get educated and get their CEU. So hopefully there's still going to be a lot of that. And hopefully that, that, that side of the, the, the thing won't, won't go away. It's just maybe less forward facing. Have you ever considered um, with your like broad knowledge, jujitsu, yoga. Um, I know we haven't even talked about it, but I know that you were really involved with uh, yoga tune-up as well, yeah. right? Um, with all this information, 
have you ever considered like, you know, like some of these guys like, you know, Kelly Starrett, Carl Pauly, um, you know, the guys, all these people who kind of broke away and then went and started teaching their own workshops. Um, Brian McKenzie, right? Have you ever thought to yourself like, oh, maybe I should just put together like, you know, the Coach Panda weekend? Yeah, I mean, I thought, I mean, I've done little workshops here and there. I haven't really created sort of the unified theory of pandaness. Like that's yeah. really the, you know, where I'd have to take it and, you know. I do feel like though, when you write the book, it should be called the unified theory of pandaness. <laughs> that Maybe. is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of stuff there. And it's, it's, it's me, it's hard for me. Cause like, uh, I mean, I've been playing with this a little bit over, over the, 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 pandemic and like in some of the online classes that I'm doing with some of the jujitsu guys we're really focusing on you know more like breathing and mobility and, and yoga stuff and kind of getting back to that stuff because that was really a good place to sort of hey we're not rolling around we, you know but we have the time to sort of sit back and get back to a more basic level with just like how we breathe and move yeah so I was going back to teaching a lot of that and a lot of my yoga-ness and other stuff started coming out again um and like, ideally, like, I'd love to see a place where we could, you know, like, like a movement studio where we can have like, you know, physical, like training, as well as like some sort of grappling and, and, and some sort of just sort of, you know, standalone movement type, you know, breathing and movement practice that yeah. would, uh, would all sort of, you know, coexist and, and complement each other. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know, man, it just sounds to me like with your background, it's like, there's, there's something, there's something more that's almost like your own thing out there, like waiting to be uh, tapped in on. Yeah, it's just sort of like, hard to envision how to, to get that done. <laughs> I understand. Well, because yeah. it almost needs to happen organically. It can't be like forced. It needs to be like, yeah. oh, hey, like, can I come and, you know, or someone inviting you be like, hey, will you, will you come and teach a weekend? Oh, what do you want yeah. me to teach? I don't know the shit that you think is important. Yeah, yeah. You know, can, can you talk, you, you, you mentioned it a couple times. Can you talk about breath a little bit? It's something that's come up a few times here talking to people. Like when I was talking to Tom Wexler, dance, um, acrobatics, a little bit about breath came up. Um, I talked to this guy, Fabio, who does Alexander technique, a lot about breath. Um, you know, you've spent your time in yoga it's one of those things that I feel like doesn't get the attention that it deserves when it's the one thing that matters the most. Um, what, what are some of your ideas, thoughts, philosophies, where are some things that you've found value in and some things that maybe you haven't found value in on that subject? Um, it's, looking at breath, I, I was just thinking about this the other day, like a lot of how we do things and especially, you know, not so much maybe me and you, but, you know, maybe a lot of the people we encounter as, as students are very much like task oriented, goal oriented, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I lifted that barbell, I did it. Yeah, you did it, but it looked terrible. You almost like blew your spine out, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, we have to be able to acknowledge, hey, good effort, you know, you got the job done, but we need to look at the process and, and, and make that better. Yeah. And breath is sort of the, you know, again, like that. It's like, well, you're breathing, you're alive, you did it, good on you, right? But can we look at it and make it better? Right, because you could like eat McDonald's every day and still be alive. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, it, we're, our, our body will take care of breathing until it stops. Right. And then, right. and there's really, you know, we can go our whole lives never looking at it and it, you know, it's doing its thing. So, uh, essentially, you know, on one hand, it's like, there's no reason to look at it. It's going to happen until we yeah. die. And the other thing is like, you know, as soon as we look at it, it's like profound mm-hmm. on, on a basic level. Like there's so much about like one, the, the nervous system, like being able to up and down regulate your nervous system by how you breathe. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get amped and your breath gets amped, but you can flip it and take your breath down and then bring your nervous system down. Right. Right. So those two are like interconnected. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a chicken and egg. Like, it doesn't matter which comes first, right? But you can affect one with the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, huge in terms of, you know, emotional state and, and, and physiological state, just being able to control our, our, our state of being, just the mechanical process of breathing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, all the muscles, the diaphragm, the intercostals, all that stuff is, uh, you know, they're to be used. And again, like, you know, muscles that we use all the time, we never look at them, you know, could we be using them better? Absolutely, right? We could, you know, increase, improve the ability of the mechanics of breathing, the shapes that we take when we breathe versus, you know, will affect how the muscles work, all that stuff, you know, so, Mm -hmm. and just in terms of, you know, performance, now we can get back to the task you want to accomplish. Could you accomplish it better, more Mm -hmm. efficiently by, changing the way you breathe and breathing better. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, you, you deadlifted that, but you almost broke your back, but now can we go back and like put your back in a better position, learn how to breathe and brace and do all those things that are going to help you do that without getting hurt next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you made it to the end of class and you didn't die, but certainly you'd have a lot more energy and be able to roll a lot harder if you learned how to breathe and not hold your breath when you rolled. Right. Is, is there anyone that's like that or methodologies that talk about breath that you think is worth spending time on? I, I, any, I think anything is going to be, is better than nothing. Yeah. Like it, it, it's worth observing and, and doing something with no matter which sort of, uh, you know, path you take. Right. You know, they, a lot of them, they just said, they say different versions of similar stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's basically, you know, how are you inhaling? How are you exhaling? How do you hold breath with air in your lungs? How do you hold breath without air in your lungs? And those are like the, the big four things. And then the other two factors are you breathing through your nose, you're breathing through your mouth. Right. Or, you know, or 50-50, right? A little bit right. of nose. And, and those are like the big variables. And, you know, you can mix and match those in numerous different ways to get yeah. like results. I mean, I, I've kind of been playing a lot with the nasal breathing, mm-hmm. um, finding that's uh, super interesting, uh, you know, the, the, uh, CO2 tolerance that Brian McKenzie talks about mm-hmm. finding that kind of interesting. I haven't really played with the Wim Hof too much, but that also sounds interesting. Although that's a big mouth breathing technique. Yeah. I mean, I've, I did it for like a year straight, like four or five days a week, maybe six. Um, I was super diligent, super committed to it. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I also, I honestly found the cold a little more interesting in terms of like controlling my breath mm-hmm. um, and, and stress management. But um, I thought it was fascinating, but I've been reading more on like pranayama now and it's just richer. If I can put one word on it, there's just like 
the, the thousands of years or whatever of like research that's, you know, yeah. in it, it's just, it's, there's so much there. Just the simple idea when they, you know, Fabio said it about Alexander technique, but I just read it in this Pranayama book, just saying breathing is three dimensional, right? And, you know, in like a Wim Hof thing, you don't hear that right out of the gate, but it's, that's so key. Sure. Yeah. Right. People either get caught up thinking the breath just needs to go down or it just needs to like your chest needs to come out when it's like, no, it's moving through your back and down and up and to the sides all at the same time. And all of that needs to be explored. And if something doesn't feel right, at the very least, lay there and focus on that spot and see what you can make happen. Yeah. 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 I, I like I found and I've been you know playing with breath for a long time, but just like, again, over the course of like the, the quarantine, uh, I was playing with my 6 a.m. classes on Zoom. And for a week, we would just do like one breathing technique. And the next week, we'd do another breathing technique. And then we would kind of just, I'd kind of deliver like a different pranayama thing every week and just, you know, play with it for a few minutes uh, in the mornings. And, and that was like probably the most profound experience I've had of just like understanding like state change. Because mm-hmm. I, was, I was in a habit of like, doing the 6 a.m. class. And then as soon as I was done, I would do like a little workout, mm-hmm. right? And like, you know, when we were doing like the upregulating techniques, I'd come out of the class and be like ready to rock and get right into my workout. Mm-hmm. I'd have days like a week where we were doing like the, like the downregulating breath techniques. And I would like, just be like, I don't think I can work out right now. <laughs> I think I have to go back to bed. And it was like, I, that was when I really sort of fully embodied like that, that, that state change. Mm-hmm. Just like, just consi- it was like one week at a time. And I would like, like consistent practice. And suddenly I was like, oh, with, especially when I had like a, a, a task right afterwards that was, you know, mm-hmm. that I had to do. Like I couldn't just lay there on the floor, like at the end of yoga class and didn't go have a smoothie. It was like, oh, I'm going to do this class and then I'm going to go right into my workout. And I was like, oh man, I just screwed myself this week because it's so hard to work out when I just right. brought my whole level down. Right. You're now you're ready to just like chill. Yeah. You're in like, yeah, what is it? Um, full like parasympathetic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just think that not enough attention is given and just the, 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 the beauty and, the, and to me, the fascination around the idea that like you can change your state of consciousness with your breath and your state of consciousness can change your breath. Mm-hmm. I just think that like, it's 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 really amazing and people i don't know take it for granted it just it's like this you know it's grazed over and i just think there's it's it's really important and more time should be spent there oh at the very least just just observing it doesn't need to be all the research but like at the very least observe yeah i'm curious uh because you explored a lot and i know that you went and took a fighting monkey workshop yeah right um coming from your background what was that experience like for you what you know were you was there were were there moments of being humbled were there moments of like this doesn't interest me were there moments of like wow like you know I've thought this and this, this is, this is valuable and interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm like a, you know, I, for someone who hated school when they were younger, like mm-hmm. I've turned into like such a little teacher's pet of a student mm-hmm. 
and like I really love being the student and you know and I tend to like now like work my way to the front of the class and try to do everything and and mm -hmm. I, I dive in you know pretty uh pretty fully so like um I don't know if you know Stephanie friend of Alana's friend of uh Matt Stillman's she uh she's in Hong Kong right now so oh she yeah was, Steph yeah yeah so she was uh uh she was the one who I think like told me hey you got to check this out and then uh and then we went down to Pennsylvania for the weekend and, and, uh, and I loved it. I mean, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, some of it was weird. I mean, uh, which is good. Like I, I love like to be taken outside of my comfort zone a little bit and just be like, wow, this is, this is weird. This is like, where would I, how does this fit into anything? Like, and, mm -hmm. and so I was like, cool. Like, you know, it doesn't have to make sense to me. Like I don't need to like immediately see like the end result. Like I'm, I'm just in it to like, you know, explore and have fun and, and check it out right uh, i know like you know some people get really turned off by, <laughs> by when things get a little too weird right but i'm like all right cool so this is what we're doing um, i think that's what, you know, i think that's what i was asking because like you know jujitsu yoga um, crossfit all pretty different but kind of exist in like a similar space maybe not so much yoga but it's it's built around like um almost like this maybe Western idea of athleticism or some version of like athleticism. There's not as much um, of like the whimsical, like uh, artistry to it, even right. though to me, yeah. jujitsu is very artistic, um, but it, it doesn't have that same piece. Yeah. And I think when yeah. you go and do that, I mean, you're like, you're, you're taking a class with dancers at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For real. And so I was really out of my element when we were doing any dancing type stuff. I'm like, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was, it was super fun. I mean, he, cause I, I love his name, Yosef. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I mean, he, he has like a, like a fighting background too. And so, he, I mean, there were some drills that like definitely come out of like, you know, like fighting and then some drills that come out of just like movement practice and some drills that come out of like, you know, like Tai Chi Kung Fu and some that come out of, uh, you know, straight out of dance. So like all of this stuff was like super cool. Just drawing from different, different places, you know, all the stuff with the tennis balls. I was like, this is like super fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I would, I would love to do more of it. Like, I'm just like, that's, that's the hardest thing for me is to get like fully buy-in and committed to do more stuff with like financially and time-wise. And then like, it's, you know, as much as I like, like to dabble, mm -hmm. like to, to dive into something like that, like, ooh, right. like that, that gives me a little anxiety. Like, oh my God, like, like I'm afraid to go, deep into something because that could just you know i could i could get lost <laughs> well, so it's, it's also like at this point you're like a man who's like about to have their like third child you've done the deep right. dive on like three different things yeah and like knowing what it means to like do it again is like oh geez like yeah the like i mean it's the same it's the same with ito like i love ito like i had a, like a love hate with matt when he was doing all the ito stuff mm -hmm. it was like you're, you're spending so many hours a day doing this Edo stuff, which is like, I'm like totally jealous, but also like totally, <laughs> but I'm also like totally angry because like, I'm trying to like run a CrossFit gym here and you guys are having like Edo power hour or power like half day right. in the corner, like every day. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, right. And it's like, but like, yeah, I mean, like the, the, the sort of like, yeah. The, that that level of commitment is something like I would love to be able to dive into, but also like just can't like bring myself to to envision what my life would be like if I forsake everything and did that. 
But it's interesting though, because what you were saying when you were talking about like having a, a you know, the imaginary space, you're kind of describing something that's more similar to those things, to like a broader movement practice where you're like, oh yeah, like there's a certain amount of strength and conditioning that happens there as well as like something that's like yoga-ish or, or breathing or internal practice or something. Then there's like grappling, you know, all we need to do is just like bring it around and add a little bit of like dancing and you're kind of starting to talk about like, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. this thing, it, but it was, uh, you know, what you were saying from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can see like, that's like part of me wants to go there for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's pretty interesting to hear. It's funny to hear though, that there is like that sense of like a little bit of like jealousy though, like watching like Matt start like- Oh, 100%. Cornered. I mean, I don't know. Did you know Matt before he was like Mr. Ito like- super mover no you know it actually turns out that he that i walked in there and like started paying him yeah like it must have been only like maybe 40 or 50 days after he started doing no he'd been doing it for a little longer than that i think really i think so yeah because because they're like before i left i mean there was just like months of matt just like like just doing all the like the crazy Edo exercises for like hours a day I know that that was how it was, but I just, when I arrived, he had only like, I think that like the next week he posted a video of him doing a 30 second handstand. Yeah, no, he'd been building up to that for a little while. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I mean, he could, he couldn't, he was like the, like the Tin Man. He couldn't move at all. Really? (sighs) Yeah. And it's like, it's remarkable. It's so transformative. Like he is a different person physically than he was like back in the day. Like, Man, what's I not, mean, like, not, I was like, I mean, we would do like gymnastic stuff. I'd be like, try to get him into a handstand, try to get him into like, you know, some of these shapes. And it just was like impossible. But like, I mean, the, I mean, the transformation occurred because you trained for like four hours a day, like or longer doing like just rep after rep and thing after thing. And it was like, unbelievable. But like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the commitment to that kind of process. I mean, I, I did online coaching for over five years and then before that was like the the time i was with matt that time that kind of time commitment is it is brutal like i mean it really takes out of you but you get you get the results yeah because your body has to it's kind of like there's no way we're going to survive this six days a week if we don't figure out what needs to happen here yeah so what do you do now to put yourself like outside your comfort zone. I know it's hard because like now you have like kids and things like that. It's like the, the, the life is a lot different. And you know, you've got your, your, your business to run and commitments to a family and things like that. But like, where do you go to, to put yourself in, a, in situations that are, are uncomfortable for you? Because it sounds like it's something you kind of thrive on. I mean, I, I think so. I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm probably looking for the next thing. I mean, jujitsu is always uncomfortable. And, well, you, you, and, and you left jujitsu to continue to do the CrossFit and then you came back to jujitsu. Is that right? Yeah. It was been, it was been over like, like maybe 10 or 12 years that I really didn't train mm-hmm. at all. I mean, I like once in a while, like there'd be a mat and like someone, you know, we'd like get into a little wrestling match, roll around a little bit. Right. Um, and like, but like the real, uh, really didn't train for like, pretty much like over a decade. And then I moved to Jersey and there's the place right down the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, I mean, it's walking distance from my, from my house. And uh, I drove by there for the first couple months I was here. I was like, ah, 
and like everybody was like into jujitsu again. Right. Like there was a period where like I really like I'd lost touch with a lot of my jujitsu friends. Mm-hmm. But then like everybody in my CrossFit world was all starting to do jujitsu. They're all like white and blue belts. I was like, I got to get back into it because I don't want people to pass me. <laughs> I was like, I'm not letting this happen. Right. So I like, I, I dropped in over there and he got his black belt from Fabio Clemente, mm-hmm. who's another New York jujitsu guy, old school, like Henzo. Um, but, uh, but then he also trained it, uh, with Marcelo when, uh, you know, when Marcelo came to New York, right. Mm-hmm. Another Alliance guy. So my teacher and he, my teacher was also, uh, you know, a former wrestler, high school and college mm-hmm. wrestler. So solid dude and the place is like super chill a lot of like you know dads in the area you know like a kids program it's really mellow not a not a lot of you know mma fighters coming through there but like really just like good guys really nice you know chill atmosphere uh but then you guys like dan koval you know comes down there uh uh, hudson you know taylor comes over there Oh, oh yeah all these like high level guys like pass through and come come over there and train Man, um, when they're in town. That's so, I mean, yeah, Dan, Dan is the real deal. Oh, shit. He just whoops my ass. And, um, like, I mean, that's so funny. I, I didn't realize that you know Hudson, who I also had on here. Yeah, I know. I was like, I was looking, I was like, Hudson's on there. And then I didn't know any of that stuff about Hudson. I knew nothing. Like, oh. I just, like, he just whooped my ass a couple times. And, like, you know, I've been in a couple, like, pictures with him on the mats. And then, like, <laughs> right, and then I listened to that, that whole podcast. Like a, yeah, he's, like, a three-time or whatever, like, all-American wrestler or something. Right. Well, I remember, like, when he came in, people were like, oh, he, yeah, he was, like, at the ADCCs. And he, like, got a video out and stuff like that. So I knew he was, like, high-level dude. And, and it, mm-hmm. it showed as soon as he, like, just whooped my ass on the mat. <laughs> right. But, the way, but I feel like the way a wrestler feels is so different from how – someone who's just done jujitsu feels i don't know what it oh, is oh yeah oh yeah their well, there's a, pressure is different like it's i don't know it's it's oh, such a they're much more aggressive much yeah. more athletic yeah like jujitsu guys are are notoriously unathletic and lazy yeah maybe that's what it is yeah and i'm i'm like at heart a jujitsu guy right so <laughs> i'm like woefully like lazy on the mat and i try so hard to like take on like a, a much more athletic and aggressive persona uh-huh. When, when I train, because I mean, I find myself, most of the mistakes I make are just cause I like, I'm too lazy to like, you know, really like ball up and get on my side and really like, you know, you know, get up and like try to go for a, a reversal or something. Right. Well, I guess that's like, like, there's like an upside and a downside to being in kind of like a smaller, like kind of school where it's just kind of like, you know, the local dudes show up and kind of roll and everything. Whereas like, you know, the people who roll through like at Marcello's. Oh yeah. Like the men and women who walk through that place, like even the regular people, just because it's all, everyone rises up. Oh yeah. Everyone is there to just like run hard. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like, I mean, like my initial years at Henzo's was such a great, like, you know, base of, you know, jujitsu because like even taking like, uh, a decade off right i you know i was still in pretty decent shape i came back and like i was a little slow on the uptake like where does what am i you know like still didn't know where to put my hands but like once once i like got back into it like like a lot of that stuff all came back as well yeah. as my bad as well as my bad habits those all came back too and now you're a brown belt yeah and and you teach there as well or you were yeah. teaching before everything yeah exactly that's pretty awesome that's like it's such a like a 
funny turn of, of events to kind of like start in jujitsu, run through CrossFit, and then still manage to whip back around to jujitsu. Yeah, like my wife met me right when I was sort of like at the sort of end of my jujitsu days. Yeah. Like I was still like a, you know, doing a lot of jujitsu, but I was like winding down and CrossFit was starting to take over. Yeah. Uh, and then like, it was like, I was the CrossFit guy for like 90% of our relationship. And then all of a sudden, like now I'm the jujitsu guy again. Yeah. yeah. What, what is um, like, as a, as a, as a dad, like, what are the things that you try to like expose or you want to expose your kids to physically or, or play wise um, that you feel like are, are of value? Like, you know, what, what direction are, do you want to like not necessarily that you want to push your kids into any specific sport or whatever but more just like how do you want to how do you imagine exposing movement to them or how do you expose movement to them i mean it's really just setting an example like i'm trying hard not to push them uh because i don't i don't want to be that guy and just i don't uh, and i think it's i don't want to push back right right i want them to ask for it right right and so that's kind of been good like i mean just the other day jet was like oh i miss jujitsu i was like oh really mm-hmm. and like i was thinking like you know i think there might be starting up some kids classes soon so like i was thinking maybe i should get him back into it but i would like take him there you know and you know he, some weeks he'd want to come with me some weeks he wouldn't mm-hmm. right but never really pushed him i'd be like hey jet you want to come with me to jujitsu today he was like no right <laughs> like how about today he's like yeah okay let me come how, how old is he he's five and would he, would he practice? Or would he just be there while you were doing your he thing? He would just like kind of run around. Some, like most of the time, like I, when I would bring him, he'd just like kind of hang out. And then when I'm trying to teach, he'd just jump on me. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, when I started getting him to classes a little regularly, he would start to do the warm-ups, and then he'd stay around a little bit more. And then, you know, you know we'd do like, he'd start playing games of like push out and stuff like that. And then, yeah. And then he'd actually get upset when he lost. And so he was like, he was taking it on a little bit. Like he was starting to care about it. So, so it's kind of cool, but again, don't, don't push it. Like, you know, I just, I'm rough house with them in the house and like, they see me exercising. So he'll come in and grab his little fake kettlebell and he'll play with me. Right. Like, you know, we'll go running around, uh, you know, run laps and stuff. And he likes to, you know, chase me around. So, so he just like, let you like let him discover it on his own, but you just like lead from the front. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, we put him in gymnastics class. That's like the only thing I think we've signed him up for and like try to consistently, at least before like quarantine, we would consistently try to take him every mm-hmm. week to his, his gymnastics class and just, you know, and, and like towards the end, he started like, it took a while. It's a slow burn. Yeah. But, you know, more he would go like, you know, just like you got to cross your fingers that eventually he'll start to like it and want to play more where where is the line i always wonder this like where do you feel like when is, when do you say like oh no you have to see this thing through and when is it you're like oh you don't like this yeah you don't have to do it what is do you know I what i'm cer- saying i certainly don't know <laughs> yeah I, I think there is a line and i think you know you have to be conscious of that i mean i i i think it's I mean, one, I, I just want to, you know, set the example. I want to keep doing things and, you know, hopefully they'll want to, you know, follow along and do as much of that as they can. But it's cool watching them have their own interests too. Yeah. That you never thought like both my, like Jet right now is into painting all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why he's suddenly into painting, but he's like painting all the time. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, they get, you know, they get a sugar rush and they want to run around and rough house and play around and jump around and swing on the rings back and forth. I'm like, cool, keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, it's fun because like, I mean, you know, for a while you think it's not working. They're like not picking up anything. And then all of a sudden they start showing an interest in some of the stuff you're doing. So yeah. like it's, it's working. I just had to, you know, be patient with it. It's, right. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to overdo it, you know, yeah. and turn them off of it. That would be worse for me if I just turned them off of it entirely. Right. I'd be like so pissed at myself. Yeah. So I just want to like keep showing them how to, you know, have fun and keep moving and, and, Hopefully they'll get more and more excited about it. Well, and then you can use them as motivation as well. Yeah, exactly. Like they have so much, they have so much for us to learn. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um, can people take classes with you online right now? Uh, no, I'm just doing a, like a morning zoom class through, uh, through my, my school. Okay. Like, like it's just dropped down to like two days a week on zoom. Okay. Um, I was thinking about doing like, like a Instagram live or a Facebook live like thing i think um, you should yeah i really think you should yeah i think yeah i think you have to this might be the beginning of what what did what did you call uh, it the, the panda what uh, i don't know the uh what is it, the encyclopedia no so, something panda method <laughs> i think it, i yeah. i really think you should i think you should like try to just put it out there and be like hey like you know every whatever tuesday i'm going to teach a one hour zoom thing and it's just going to be a little bit of all the things that i'm into i think you have to yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll play around with that. I'm, uh, I've been enjoying like, uh, like the last two weeks or three weeks. I haven't had like morning Zoom classes. I've been enjoying sleeping late a little bit when I can. Uh -huh. But um, I feel. But I generally, as much as I, you know, appreciate getting an extra hour or two of sleep. Like mm -hmm. the starting my day off teaching has like been really helpful for me. Yeah. Well, I think you should make people work for it. I think it should be at like 1 a.m. <laughs> awesome. I don't think I can do that at 1 a.m. Yeah. Just show everybody how hardcore you are. You're like, no, we're going back to like pre-CrossFit NYC. Maybe, maybe like Jocko style do it at 4.30. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That would be <laughs> I think you should. I think, I mean, just hearing you like talking about how you like you're integrating breath in some of your classes and like a little bit of like conditioning stuff. Like, I don't know. I think, I think you should just be like, oh, I'm just going to do like a – uh, yeah, like a panda movement class. I think it would be yeah. amazing. Are you are you teaching right now? What are you doing? So yeah, so when we shut the gym down, we so we're right now we're in Westchester at my wife's folks' house. We've been here for we're in our 18th week here. So we closed the gym, and then we had to close the physical space permanently just because it was like we had to make a decision about what was going to happen. And thankfully, we shut it in April, and it seems like this is going to continue. So I think we made. Uh, uh, an intelligent move but we were also in this limbo with our apartment um we needed to move out by may because our landlord wanted the apartment so when this whole thing started happening we were just like you know what let's put all of our stuff in storage and let's just go to westchester cool. um so that's what we did <laughs> everything is out of brooklyn now um but the day after we arrived here i started teaching like an online zoom class and I just made it free. I was, I don't know. I think I was like traumatized. I think I felt like everybody was going through a sure, crisis yeah. in, their, in varying ways. And the, the thing that made the most sense was to just like give what I have. And I was like, I can teach a thing. Yeah. Um, so I teach six days a week, 9 a.m. Okay. And then I put like the four most recent recordings up on the website. But now that I realize that this is becoming 
more of the reality, I think we'll end up creating something that is meant to last longer and be like bigger, like a, some sort of web platform or something. Right. Um, and if that's the case, you can come and uh, teach on there once in a while. Awesome. Awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah that, I think that's where, where we're headed now. But I think it's where a lot of people have to start thinking, you know? But yeah, I, for sure. I mean, that's the other thing too, is like, you know, the planning of like, you know, okay, if I'm going to teach, what am I going to teach and what equipment do people need to like follow along and do this? And how, how is that going to work? Cause. Well, that was the thing for me. Like, at least with mine, I was just kind of like, this is meant for like no equipment, small space. Yeah. You know, but then, yeah, it's like moving forward. You're like, Oh, if everybody's kind of living this way, like maybe I need to create certain courses that are for like certain things like, Oh, if you have X, Y, Z tools, here's a course built around whatever, some gymnastics elements or something, you know, pick the thing. Yeah. Um, Cause I, it's, yeah, I think that's where we're going to be for a little bit. I mean, it was surprisingly hard. Like, I started doing all like the, these like, you know, flow rolls on the floor type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and like just being in my little room trying to do it, I was like, you know, do, you know, go to one side and then have to turn around, go to the other side and just bump it into the walls and, oh, yeah. and then watching like everybody else try to do it in their houses and then like coming up with like rug burn and stuff. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's, it's super challenging. Like, you know, cause part of the, like wants to, dive deep into or just explore all kinds of stuff. And then you realize, Oh, well you need this. Oh, you need that. Well, you need as much space. And right. It forces another layer of creativity, but it is like, it's tricky because now you're like, you don't even know what each person's space looks like. Yeah, exactly. That's why I actually just was like, you know, I'm going to lead like a warm up, you know, together. And then I just have like a whiteboard and I demonstrate everything on the board. And I'm just like, now you go do it. Oh, cool. You know, That's so I'm like, here's all the stuff and the recording will be up. You can go watch the recording again. This is kind of the details and the cues here because I, you know, I've seen it, you know, like people watching the screen and trying to see what other people are doing. I'm like, I don't know. I, that, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense for me. I mean, like that, maybe I should work harder for it, but I, I it just, I think there's something also letting people like go and try to learn something than, than always being sure. constantly just being taught. Yeah. So Maybe I'm wrong, but we'll see. Um, I mean, there's a million ways to do it. There's a million. So I've I've done like a hundred classes now. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And I'm just in like my, in my, you know, in the garage here on, on four tatami mats. Yeah. That's it, man. But I do, (laughs) I miss jujitsu a lot. I know. I know. The fun thing is, is like, you know, exploring like, like solo drilling is, I mean, it's certainly not the same and there's certainly a lot of stuff left to be desired and, and there's a whole skills range of skills that you're not getting, mm-hmm. but like certain details and certain things about like, you know, solo drilling and rolling around on the floor by myself. I'm like, Oh, like there's been a lot of little epiphanies and a lot of little, you know, little minor breakthroughs and stuff. And, and so it's been kind of cool in that respect. Right. You yeah. know, it's like that, that, that idea of like, you know, the, the limitations of, you know, foster certain creativity. I mean, listen, I mean, I was talking about the horse stance the other day. Oh yeah. In my, in one of my classes. And it's like, people always want to know like the why for something. And you're like, well, the things that are worth, that's why. <laughs> well, and the things that are worth doing have more than one why. Right. Lots of whys. 
Um, you know, so the horse dancer, like, yeah, it is mobility, but it's also power of will. You know, it's also, you know, you're, you're creating power. You're learning how to like balance and whatever. But, at, you know, at somewhere along the way, I'd listen to somebody talking about the horse dance and they were talking about um, Jack Dempsey, right? The boxer. Yeah. And they didn't know if it was true, but they had heard that when he was training boxing, he trained in a room where the ceiling was very low. So he always had to be kind of like yeah. kneeling down and crouching down, That's but it amazing. put him into that position where like he lowered his center of gravity and he could generate a lot more power that's by, amazing. By, by being comfortable in that lower position. Oh, so cool. And that's how they kind of introduced the talk about the horse stance a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, training with constraints. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. That's also how they make veal. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. But I'm totally with you. I think that the limitations, I mean, if you watch like, um, uh, you know, they talk about kids in Brazil playing soccer, right? Oh, and they yeah. play on like a basketball court with a deflated ball. And it's like how, you know, suddenly they're better than all the American kids who have been playing on these perfectly manicured fields and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you know, it's about, I think, embracing the constraints. It's, um, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm impressed that you're getting lots of like rolling on the ground in. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, it's, it's, it ebbs and flows. Like some, some nights I'm like super motivated to just like start rolling around. Yeah. But usually, usually it starts like in my class, like I'll just start getting around and doing some, some kind of rolling around and then sort of, sort of springs off of there. Well, it's not all necessarily jujitsu related, although I think that like anytime you're putting your hands and your body on the ground, like it can probably be like implemented in jujitsu, but I'll send you some videos of some of like the rolling stuff that I've been working on. Maybe you can like steal nice. it, copy it, mimic it a little bit. Oh yeah. I'd love to. Love well, to. I think that when this is done, I think we have to like get together on, on a semi-regular basis and train like a bunch of different things. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I sure. feel like we need to do some jujitsu. We need to like talk some more movement. We need to like, you know, pass some more information on in person once we can make that happen. Yeah, I'm still a little, I'm kicking myself that I never got out to your space in Brooklyn. That's a real, uh, you know, sore spot. That's all right. But, I don't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're a man with a family, but yeah. I, I still don't think we're that far away from each other. No, no, we're not. So we'll yeah. get together. I'm going to give you the opportunity if there's anything you want to add or anything that you felt like you we less left out or an exclamation mark on the end if you want. Uh... No, man, I just appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to me and uh, super happy to, you know, I'm glad we got to sit down and talk because I mean, again, our, uh, a lot of, you know, we're only like no degrees of Kevin Bacon away from each other. Yeah. So like, it's about time we had a nice long combo. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like now, like, you know, we don't have to do it recorded next time. We could, we should uh, hop on and, uh, and, and make some more chats happen because I feel like, we, we we have a a lot to to share and i feel like you know especially you being somebody who who likes to share information anything new that comes to your head i like to receive information so yeah you know i'm gonna shoot you my phone number after this all right yeah for sure and if anybody wants to find you it's just it's coach panda on instagram coach panda on instagram that's it yeah dude I enjoyed this so much. Me too. I feel like I know the history 
of like fitness, underground fitness in New York City the way that I should now. 